Welcome to the Beeson Podcast coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. We are excited to feature our own Professor Mark Ginolet on the podcast today and to speak with him about our new doctoral program in Theology for the Church, which we'll launch next year. But before we introduce him, I have a bittersweet announcement to make. After nearly nine years at Beeson, my colleague Kristen Padilla is leaving to serve as an acquisitions editor for B&H Publishing. We are really happy for her. This new job allows Kristen to follow her academic passions and advance her career, but of course, we're sad to lose her. She's been a great marketing manager and a wonderful co-host on the Beeson Podcast. Kristen, I'm sad to say this is the last show you'll co-host with me. I wonder if you might say just a word or two about your time at Beeson before we introduce today's guest. Yeah, thanks, Doug. It is really bittersweet. I am a graduate of the school, and it was a real joy and privilege when Dr. George invited me back on staff. That was unexpected. And I've been able to see a lot of wonderful people come through these programs that we offer. One of the first things that Dr. George told me when I took the job was that I would be uh, producing a podcast and I had never done anything with a podcast before. He was really a trailblazer in starting the Beeson podcast. And so I jumped right in and tried to figure it out along with him, listened to a lot of interviews. And then when you came in as Dean in 2019, you were kind enough to ask me to co-host with you. Uh, which is something I've never done and have often felt intimidated sitting next to someone as brilliant as you, but you've been very kind and gracious and it's been a real joy, um, listeners, to be with you each week and to get to talk to some amazing people. So thank you, Dr. Sweeney, for this opportunity. It's been a real joy and I'll still be around because my husband, teaches here and <laughs> it's a remote it's a remote job so i'm grateful that this is not really a goodbye but uh see you later that's great well we love you Kristen. don't thank be a you. stranger thank you you thank want to introduce you. today's guest yes i'm uh, so glad that dr mark janelette gets to be my final guest um as co-host he is professor of Old Testament at Beeson Divinity School. Um, he is, as Doug has said, the director of Beeson's new PhD program. He was my professor. He was actually one of my favorite professors when I was a student. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh, taught me biblical theology. So um, it's, it's a real pleasure to have you back on the show today, Mark. Welcome. Well, I'm very glad to be here for uh, such a momentous occasion. Uh, your last podcast I mean, I've been here 18 years, and you've been within the orbit of Beeson for that entire time. So what a remarkable journey you've had. So I'm, I'm glad to be here with you well, all today. thank you. Thank you. 
Well, typically we begin our shows by asking the guests to introduce themselves, but our people know you. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> so. I think I'm part of the furniture around here now. It's like, yeah, there's that lampshade over there. <laughs> well, if they don't know you, then uh, they can go back to a previous episode or go to the website. Um, so I, I want to begin by asking you about this new development at Beeson uh, that we have already mentioned. Uh, most of our folks will have probably read it on the website, but it's always good to hear things by living voice. So tell us, what is this new exciting development for Beeson and indeed for Sanford um, that we're talking about today? Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about it. We're um, launching um, Sanford's first research PhD. So that's pretty momentous, I think, for the whole of the institution. Um, and of course, for Beeson, this is our first PhD as well. And it's, you know, we've wrestled with what to call this thing, um, and it's still a little bit clunky. But we're identifying identifying it as a PhD in theology for the church, um, and that is a kind of an, an intentional description of of a degree program that's covering the theological disciplines in, in toto, but has the the church as the ecclesial location by which this degree is meant to work itself out. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this as, uh, as the podcast goes along, but that's that's the kind of idea is to broker a PhD that lives in some sort of almost new region. You know, a, a doctor of ministry was a degree that focused on uh, a dissertation that had a practical outworking in the life of ministry in the context of a parish. Traditional academic PhDs tend to be very discipline spe- specific with the outcome for most hopeful PhD graduates to be some sort of of teaching life in the academy. Our degree is intended to be an academic degree with a research component via its dissertation, but its ideal graduate is a graduate that understands their calling within the the sphere of the church to work out that theological call in in the context of the church. Now, we understand that in sort of broad terms of what that might look like, um, but that's where this degree is hopefully brokering kind of new territory. Dr. Ginlet, you know as well as I do, we've received a lot of interest from people ever since we announced that we're launching this PhD program. And so probably, at least for a while, we'll have to be just a little bit selective. We're not trying to be snooty or exclusive, but uh, there's so many people who've expressed interest and we can only handle so many at a time. So for those who are listening and they think, hey, I wonder if this is for me, Can you say a word about, so who are we trying to attract to this program? Who are we trying to teach, serve, equip in this program? Yeah, that's um, a great question. And and really it sort of probably needs to be framed within the larger sense of how we've wrestled with this institutionally. You know, I think we've talked about a a possible PhD at Beeson for some time. And, And part of the, I think, maybe not resistance, but hesitancy toward a, de- a degree program like this is not to allow it to become, in effect, the sort of the tail that wags the institutional dog. I mean, our Master of Divinity degree, training uh, men and women for the ministry, that's what drives our institutional ethos. And this particular degree program seems to be a sort of a natural extension of what we're doing on the master's level. So that's where the sort of organic fit comes into play. Um, but with that said, we're still kind of we're a small institution. Um, we have a limited faculty, so that so to keep our institutional purpose and vision sort of on course, we have to keep it limited. So with that said, I think our idea is to admit five to seven students a year, um, and our ideal student is someone that fits sort of three criteria. Number one, um, there's a certain academic baseline. 
Number two, there's a Christian character and orthodoxy component to this. People will need to identify themselves in those terms in, in concert with our institutional identity. And then thirdly, and this is going to be a really crucial component, are the, the applicants and those that are applying for this need to be able to identify how this degree will serve their own vocation within the church. And that's going to be a pretty crucial factor in, in the admissions committee sorting through who we, who we accept and, and who we don't. I can imagine that there may be some who are maybe more academically apt um, who haven't quite thought through the way in which this degree works itself out vocationally for them um, that might not necessarily get into the program where somebody uh, else will because they have a sort of vocational clarity about how this degree works itself out for them. And that's something I think for all applicants to kind of think through. And we'll, we'll articulate that more in our, in our publications as we go forward. Hmm. Well, let's talk about concrete details. Let's yeah. get into some of the nitty-gritty. Okay. How do you plan to deliver this program? Will students have to move here? Will it be online? Will it be hybrid? Yeah, um, it's, it's a hybrid degree. I mean, that's the nature of this degree program. And let me try to sort of outline the vision for this. We, we'll have um, f six uh, th uh, doctoral seminars that will be offered over a two-year period. And these doctoral seminars are going to be week-long intensives. And, and this is what I think makes this degree a little bit different within the spheres of competing PhDs that are out there. Um, the doctoral seminars that students will take will all um, be shared with, within a single cohort. So instead of someone saying, for example, I want to go and do a PhD in church history or I want to do a PhD in biblical studies, um, our students will all come in and take a common set of doctoral seminars together. This is the gen what we're calling the generalist side of preparing pastor theologians. So they will all take a course on Old Testament theology, New Testament theology, two in history and doctrine, one in we're calling it something like church and world in the 21st century, and then a directed readings course with their supervisor preparing them for their research prospectus and dissertation. Those courses will be week-long intensives offered in the spring, the summer, and the fall. There'll be pre-reading work, work on-site, and then a kind of post, uh, I imagine some sort of research component to the degree. So those are the actual doctoral seminars that are being offered. And then in the semester, we'll offer also offer um, a research seminar, which will be a bi-weekly um, virtual seminar where the faculty here will gather and the students will kind of chime in via some sort of, I don't know, I'm sort of technologically challenged, Zoom component. <laughs> Thank you, Rob Willis. It's He'll okay. help us with all that. Rob will figure it out. <laughs> yeah. um, but we'll, be, we'll and, and the idea for those research seminars is to, is to help to build a research culture. That's the idea. Um, and we'll have visiting guests that will come in and lecture. We'll have faculty that will present. We'll have students that will present. Um, that's, those will be the moments, I think, where students begin to kind of observe what theological research looks like, um, what um, virtuous engagement with other people's ideas looks like. And that's, that's where I hope the culture building kind of goes within that seminar. You mentioned a couple of times the role of supervisors, faculty supervisors in the PhD. And for those who've not yet done a PhD, they're listening to this, they're trying to figure out what this experience would be like. Just tell them a little bit about, generally speaking, the relationship between a PhD supervisor and the student. And then what will that relationship be like just practically in your program? Yeah. And, you know, I think that differs from institution to institution. Um, 
You know, I, I took my terminal degree in a, in a British institution at the University of St. Andrews. And your relationship with your supervisor in that setting is really everything. Now, there's a lot of co-curricular activity that you can do to kind of gain knowledge in different areas, but the supervisor is kind of everything. The American programs are probably a little bit different than that, but the supervisor still plays a very important role. Um, this is not the most felicitous phrase, but the idea that I've been kind of tossing around with our PhD is we want to encourage students who will become jack-of-all-trades and masters of one. And so the jack-of-all-trade side of things is where uh, we hope to kind of skin that cat in our doctoral seminars. The master of one is when they're beginning to take that deep dive in that particular area of research under a supervisor who knows the field and is ably ready to help guide a student toward his or her own work. Um, and that's a very important relationship that develops over time. Um, so I think my, my prayer is that it both becomes a professional and a kind of spiritual friendship between supervisor and student um, as they wrestle through ideas together. There's a real practical component to this. I mean, supervisors will help students learn how to write better, how to articulate arguments in a little bit more uh, thoughtful way, and also hopefully be able to put point them to various interlocutors in their subject area that they need to be engaging. So the supervisor's role is really important, and that will be, frankly, part of the admissions process. It's making sure that we're aligning people that are fit with one another in such a way. And so here at Beeson, uh, we don't need the whole list of faculty who will yeah. be involved, but yeah. just for example, yeah. who would be three or four or five people who might be supervisors in the program? Right. And the idea behind that is, you know, we, we want to pair students up with faculty that are actively involved in research. And so this is, they're, they're participating in the life of the guild, they're involved in professional meetings, they're, they're actively involved in some sort of publishing profile. And, and we just have, we're blessed here at Beeson. I mean, most of our faculty here are doing that kind of work. So, for example, in history and doctrine, um, we have folks like Timothy George and Peter Mowish. We're losing Carl Beckwith. I mean, this is a bit kind of a sad thing, but we've lost one professor, but hopefully someone will come in after him. Um, but Peter Mowish, Carl, um, uh, um, Timothy George, Gerald Bray will be around, able to supervise in history and doctrine as well. Um, in practical theology, we'll have folks like Matt, Mike Pascarello, who's done work in Bonhoeffer and preaching and really the Anglican preaching tradition. We'll have folks like Doug Webster, who've done a lot of work on the interface between hermeneutics and homiletics. Um, in biblical studies, uh, uh, John O'Linebaugh in New Testament, who's a Pauline scholar. Osvaldo Padilla, who's doing work in Paul and the pastorals. Um, we would have myself. I would do work in Old Testament. So we, we really kind of are blessed to have our disciplines somewhat covered uh, here, and I didn't mention everyone. I mean, there, there are others as well, yeah. Mm. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit more concretely about the dissertation process? So when someone applies, I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they would at least have in their mind the type of project that they would like to research. And then what does that, what does that look like then? They have a supervisor. Uh, what's the dissertation process gonna look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, I'm sort of building off of my own experience on this. Building a research prospectus, I mean, the, the heavy laden term I was given when I was doing my own work was an architectonic. It's not a really great term, but that, that was what I was taught. And this is where students will actually, at the end of their two years of coursework, do some sort of um, um, comprehensive examination over their coursework and defend their prospectus. 
And the way in which that perspectives would work, I think, is that you're dealing with a, a kind of annotated outline of, of where the whole dissertation is going. And I say this, and I'll say this more to students as we go forward. I mean, the question about what the genre is of a dissertation is probably something of an open conversation. I mean, I remember back in my own day, there was a lot of language about, you know, a dissertation is original research. I'm like, I, I don't know how much more original research we need in the Bible, for example. I mean, we could talk about this. Um, the way in which I'm framing it is what makes a, a dissertation in the genre of an academic dissertation is recognizing where the scholarship is on a particular field, being able to identify the different interlocutors on that subject, and being able to advance the argument in that scholarly discipline by engaging both primary and secondary sources. That doesn't mean that it's going to change the world. It doesn't mean that you've discovered a new planet out there. But you've seen something in the discipline that needs to be addressed. And even if it's, can I use the football analogy, even if it's moving the ball two yards forward, that's a, leg a legitimate dissertation. But someone that says, for example, like, I want to know what Karl Barth says about the doctrine of election, and I'm going to say everything that Barth said about that. Or I want to know Jonathan Edwards on this. Just describing the work of someone's not a legitimate, that's a great master's thesis. But a, but a PhD has got to do both primary and secondary work. And we'll, we'll help students kind of sort through that. And, that. and that gets, I think, back to Dr. Sweeney's point, that a supervisor will help a student think through that. Now, in terms of process, getting the overarching idea what we're identifying interlocutors, seeing how this argument's going to push forward, that gets you out of the gate. And then we all know this, it's all going to change. I mean, like, that's, a, I remember when I, I'm embarrassed even to admit this, but I went to St. Andrews with a dissertation idea. I was going to do this. And I'll never forget the day walking to the library and in the new books, there was a book. You know, this is the horror story. The dissertation I was going to write had just been published by Cambridge. Like, ah. But the, the dissertation I ended up writing was completely different than my original idea. And that's part of the fun of the discovery process. You, you create a kind of architectonic, you begin to dive into it, and then you discover where it's going to go. All right, Mark. So let's say I'm a 35-year-old pastor, and this sounds exciting to me. I love my time in seminary. I'm excited about growing biblically and theologically for the sake of my ministry, for the sake of God's people. I don't want to have to quit my job, give up my church to enroll in this program. I don't want to be doing it for 10 or 12 years. Can you give me any help in just thinking about the time commitment, the timetable for doing this PhD? Yeah, yeah, great question. And the 35-year-old pastor or whatever age pastor is really kind of our ideal target. And, and so that, that's the question that we need to keep asking ourselves. How, how is this going to be accomplished? Um, I think the challenge for, well, to put it in sort of more simple terms, the, the degree program is intended to be a four-year degree with the possibility of extending that into, into six years. So there will be a terminus at some point in time um, at the six-year mark. It's designed as a four-year degree. It will require people coming into it who are really committed to it. Um, because for those who are actively involved in ministry, and this is my prayer, that elder boards or deacon boards or vestries or whoever are those that are supporting local church ministers, that they get a vision uh, and a burden for the way in which the investment in this degree will actually yield fruit within their own ministerial context. That's my prayer. They're going to have to catch a vision for this, which means that they're also going to have to be committed to creating space for their pastors or their ministers to be able to actually get at the work itself. 
I don't think that will be as challenging, frankly, for the seminar work. My hunch is people will be able to sort through that. The challenge is going to be the dissertation. Um, and that's going to require um, a kind of steadfastness and a commitment to the discipline itself um, that can sustain one to finish the, 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 whole, the whole writing project. I remember when I was doing my PhD work, I looked at Bruce Longnecker. He was one of my supervisors. And I said, um, i got to tell you, I'm really excited about this work that I'm doing. And I'll never forget it. He looked at me and says, well, it's, I'm glad that you are because no one else is. And you're going to have to finish this thing. Right? I, I, I teased him about that when I saw him race. I was like, well, that's, that was kind of a hard word. But that's the kind of curiosity that someone's going to have to have on the dissertation level is something that will fuel them to the finish line. And that, you know, I even sort of put out in a student handbook that I'm putting together right now, 10,000 words every three months. You can get this thing done uh, in two years. And for those who, who do some writing, 10,000 words every three months is actually kind of doable. Um, but creating the space for that in the middle of lived ministry will require, I think, a network of support. And so we'll be praying that churches get a vision for that. All right, just one follow-up. So if, if I want in on this early on, I want to be involved in this PhD program sooner rather than later, what are some of the dates I need to have in my head? When are you going to start this thing? When do I need to think about applying uh, to enroll in this thing and so on? We're still working through some accreditation sort of bureaucratic hurdles, which are necessary things. So, um, so some of this is to be, to be seen. But the idea that we're working with now is we hope to go live with our website very soon and open applications at the beginning of May. So the, ap the application of this year, of 2020, uh, 23. So the application window will be May until probably middle August, and that will be the deadline. Then we will, and that's to enroll in January. In a, in a, in a beginning of, a, of, the, of the spring 2024 cohort, we're starting sort of in the January term, um, and we'll hopefully make decisions by um, the middle of September. So that's that's the idea of our time frame right now. Uh, you mentioned that you've been on faculty for 18 years. So as someone who has been here for nearly 20 years, what does this mean to you personally, Mark? The degree itself? I think it's exciting. You know, I, uh, this, again, um, my, if I had any initial hesitancy with this degree, it was in terms of institutional integrity. Like I just, I mean, we, we do a certain thing here, or we intend to do so, a certain thing here well, and that is training future pastors to think theologically and ministerially. This, this degree fits who we are, and I think we've got the faculty to support it. I think we can, we're not driven for big numbers, and as we don't have to have a lot of numbers to make this thing work, so I think we can actually, Lord willing, build a cohort here around people that are um, theologically hungry and curious that can really shape the culture of an institution in a positive way. So in that sense, that, that gets me out of bed in the morning. And I think that's an exciting development here. I also think for um, my colleagues, this, there's a real silver lining in all of this in terms of having the context for a higher level academic conversation. Um, I mean, we do do that in our classrooms at the master's level, but there's something about a doctoral seminar that provides the ability to kind of dive a little bit deeper. Um, being able to kind of, you know, hone those edges a little bit more, I think will be good for all of us, both in the ways in which we teach on the master's level and in our writing. So there's lots of wins, I think, on this thing in terms in institutionally. Well, Dr. Genelet, it's an exciting program. Yeah. Can't wait to see it develop. Thank you for your leadership. Uh, uh, it's going to be wonderful. You know, because you've been on the show before, we always like to end 
by asking oh, our yes. guests uh, to edify our listeners by oh. letting them know what the Lord's been doing in your life recently, teaching you, showing you, that might be helpful for other people to hear about. Yeah. So we ask you, what's well, God have, doing in your life? I have four children that are 18 to 8, so I, I'm, I feel like I'm learning in that deep into that pool all the time. Um, I, I would say trusting in the providence of God and learning to wait on Him. I've thought a lot about that in terms of the Psalms. I think it might be even mentioned it in a sermon around here recently, but um, the way in which the Scriptures tend to, to shape the language of waiting in terms of waiting on God, not waiting on certain outcomes, not waiting on certain changes in circumstances, but actually being schooled to learn to wait on the Lord. You know, I'm 46 years old, been a Christian, you know, for as long as I can remember. You'd think you'd learn some of these things, you know, by now, but it's, it's, it's kind of remarkable how the Lord will continue to do His work in the school of, of following Him to kind of shape us once again to kind of learn to wait on Him. I think that's, that's, that's something that I'm, and I bet if you asked me in 20 years, I'd say, you know, I'm kind of working on this sort of waiting on the Lord thing. So that, that's, that's somewhere central to, to the Lord's work in my own heart. It's a great word for all of us. You have been listening to Dr. Mark Gentilet. He is professor of Old Testament, Hebrew language here at Decent Divinity School. He's going to serve as the director of our new PhD program in theology for the church. Mark, thanks for being with us. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Please pray for Kristen Padilla as she transitions to B&H Publishing coming up here very soon. Please pray for Decent Divinity School as we try to remain faithful to the Lord in days ahead. Goodbye for now. been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Thank you.